Well, good evening. Man, what a great day it's been, right? I mean, it's just been awesome outside, and, and we're so grateful for that. And we had this, you know, just absolutely great day on Thursday. And so I said, man, I bet Friday's just going to be awesome. So I made all these plans, and then lo and behold, it was cold and rainy because all of my plans were outside, and I didn't get to do any of those projects, so I guess those will be saved for another day. But today was great, right? Yeah, today was beautiful outside, and we're grateful for all our days. Listen, um, we've been in this series called That's Not Normal, and I've been teaching just kind of all over the place with a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, we had the Mother's Day, uh, you know, uh, and uh, had a great time. I hope that you all had uh, just a great Mother's Day weekend. And also, we've been teaching about just the heart of God for His people. And as I was praying about this upcoming week, I got to this place where I just got real heavy in my heart, and I just started writing. And um, that's how I work. You might not work like that. You might get that. You might think that's really weird. Boy, our pastor's weird, you know. I mean, when I get heavy, I write. I've got to get it out. I'm not one of these guys that really internalizes a lot and processes a lot. I process by talking or by writing. I, I, that's how I've got, I've got to get it out or it'll drive me nuts. Um, I remember when I first started you know, taking journals and, and, and keeping journals of my thoughts and different things like that, man, I filled the first one up in just a couple of months because I was constantly writing things down. And so that's just how I work. And I was just real heavy about this upcoming week and about this message and about our church and about what God has been doing in our church. And man, we've been hearing just great stories and we've been seeing great things happen. And no matter what stage you're in in life, no matter whether you're on top of the mountain or whether you're at the bottom of the valley, God has something for you, and your story is not over yet. Amen, somebody. And so as I was just heavy during this study and, and prayer time, I just started writing, and I said, you know what? i got to share this with the church. And, uh, you know, I often don't share that kind of stuff, um, but I am going to share tonight with you what God gave me. I'm actually going to share it to you somewhat, somewhat verbatim. What I mean by that, <laughs> I hope somebody's got real nervous. They're like, oh Lord Jesus, did you download Angry Bird Star Wars cause I need something to do? No, I'm just kidding. Y'all best not be treating me like that. Y'all come for the word, amen? amen? Come on somebody. I said y'all come for the word. If you got your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 15. So if you're using the YouVersion app and you're wondering, where's my notes? And you're just freaking out. Oh, I don't know where my notes are. That's why they're not there, because this is going to be a little different. Yeah, <laughs> freaking out. But <laughs> there's something there, but there's nothing there. It's like, but that's not normal. So we're kind of flowing with the theme, right? Um, and, uh, and I am going to teach a little bit here through this. But mainly what I'm wanting to do is I'm wanting to show you my heart as your pastor for this church. And so it's a good thing, whether this is your first time or whether uh, this is, you, you've been here for years or whether um, you're checking out Word of Grace and maybe you're new to Word of Grace. You've been here a few times and you're saying, hey, I'm, I, I like what I see so far, but I don't know if I want to make this my church home or not. This, this would be a great time for you to be here. Um, and if you have been here for a number of years or, or maybe you're, you're one of the uh, folks that just shows up on every weekend, 
you know, this is going to help you to see clearly exactly what, um, where we're going, what we're doing. So we're not going to have points tonight. <gasps> Some of you guys that like to write those things down are freaking out right now. I'm just jacking up your world. But hey, we need to be messed up a little bit. That's not normal, right? Oh, let's go ahead and go to the book of Luke, chapter 15. And while you're turning there, while you're getting there, I'm just going to pray. God, I just ask you would help me to speak this with clarity and authority and power. Father, I pray you would help those that are hearing and listening to receive it. Help us to do something with it. Help to clarify exactly what it is you've called us to do. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 15 and verse 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners. I want you to remember that because that's going to come up later. Tax collectors and sinners. It's just interesting that those two were always grouped separately, tax collectors and sinners, drew near to Jesus to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained. The religious people, the religious leaders were complaining. They said, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. Oh, my. He, he receives sinners. He actually hangs out with people who aren't perfect like we are. He actually sits down and he actually eats with them. This Jesus who's claiming to be a savior, a messiah, who's claiming to be the son of God, this one that all these people are following, this one who's performing miracles, this one who's teaching in our synagogues. He's hanging out with tax collectors and sinners, and he's eating with them. So Jesus heard him say that. And this is what he said, verse 3, he spoke this parable to them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. When he finds it, he rejoices. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he comes home, he calls together his friends, his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she's found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, I found that piece of silver that I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that fall to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. He gave the guy basically his inheritance. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, sent him to the fields to feed swine. He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I'm sitting here perishing with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose, came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion on him, ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, no longer to be worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it. Let us eat and be merry. 
For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what all these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he's received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But this brother was angry. He would not go in. Therefore, he went to his father, and he said, Dad, he said... All of these years, I have been serving you. I've never done anything wrong. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might go and make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured all of your livelihood with harlots, prostitutes, you come and you kill the fatted calf for him? And the dad says to him, he says, son, you are always with me. And all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and now is found. You see, what Jesus is showing us here, what he was trying to show the religious leaders of that day, and the reason that you and I still have this text that we can read is because Jesus is showing us how God works, okay? This is how God works. This is what he thinks. This is what he values, And Jesus draws contrast to our value system and God's value system. Because how many of you know that God values you? God values you. People are the focus of God's love. You are the focus of God's love. Look at somebody and point to them with your pointer finger and say, you are the focus of God's love. We are a church of participators. We will try that again. <laughs> we will point and say, you are the focus of God's love. Let's do it. Come on. Now, now that we're through being weird, all right, let, and, and pointing fingers at one another, three point back at you. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, you're the focus of God's love. Think about that. People are the focus of God's love. You see, Jesus came to create a connection much, much like that of this parable of this lost son or this lost sheep, or this lost coin. That's what Jesus came to do, to create a connection between man and God. What was once lost is now found. What was once denied, what was once uh, forsaken, what was once given willingly, is now all been restored. Because without Jesus, we could never be reconnected to God. Without Jesus, we could not be reconnected to God because our sin was too great and mankind, apart from Jesus Christ, does not have any hope. Amen, somebody? Apart from Jesus Christ, we have no hope. I want to read you another scripture real quick. In the book of Colossians, and the first chapter, the 17th verse, Colossians 1 and 17 says this, And he is before all things. And in him, talking about Jesus, all things consist. And he, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him all the fullness should dwell. And by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of the cross, and you who were once alienated, and you were once enemies of God by your wicked works, now, through Christ, He 
has reconciled. You see, this is what Jesus did. And we read here that he is the head of this body that is called the church. Now, as your pastor, I want to take this opportunity to share with you something that may not be a normal message. And if this is your first time here, like I said, at Word of Grace, this is a great service for you to be at. Or if you're considering making Word of Grace your church home. Because I'm going to talk about this body, this church, this reconnecting to God. So if you want a title to write down tonight, you can write down connecting. Write that word down, connecting. We're going to be talking about connecting tonight. You see out on this red wall when you walk in, and on t-shirts, on the website, on pretty much anything that we print or put together, you can look at your bulletin, and you can see love God, love people, and serve the world. If you ever get an email from one of our staff or from our office, you see love God, love people, serve the world. You have seen that on the wall, and maybe you've wondered exactly what does that mean. It sounds nice, sounds spiritual. Sounds great, but what does it really mean to love God, love people, and serve the world? You see, all three of these connect to one another. Because here at Word of Grace, we're all about creating connections. We are seeing people come alive through the teaching of the Word of God, making it real, using everyday language that helps people to connect in a real way to a real God. You see, when I understand a little bit more about God, it helps me to feel a deeper, stronger connection because loving God is all about connecting. Word of grace is a map and a bridge to connect the disconnected to God. And this is where it starts. This is where it starts. This is what God put on my heart that I want to share with you in this service. Word of grace is a map and a bridge to connect the disconnected to God. We accomplish this through teaching the word in a real, down-to-earth way that connects with the everyday person. Whether they're a seasoned believer or whether they're an unbeliever. Whether this is the very first church service you may have attended in a very, very long time. We encourage people by teaching something meaningful, true, and positive that will lift them up and lead them to feel a stronger connection with God and grow in their love for God. We also accomplish this by making church a fun place to be that you actually look forward to coming to. I look forward to coming here. I don't know about you, but I look forward to coming here. I know that there are so many people that don't look forward to going to church. They go to church because they're afraid of what will happen if they don't. I look forward to hanging out with you guys and seeing you and getting to hear your stories and talk to you and catch up and to preach to you and to minister to you and to sing to you and and, and to sing with you rather as we worship God together. Let me tell you something, guys. I love coming to church. Do you love coming to church? I mean, there's so many of us that may have grown up in an environment where church was the last thing we wanted to do. It was the last thing we wanted, the furthest thing from our mind that we actually wanted to do was go to church because there's so many other things we would rather do, so many other things we could do, so many other things that we felt were more important to our use of our time. But what we want to do at Word of Grace is we want to be able to have a place to come and worship God and hear the word that you want to come to. 
that you go, oh man, I can't wait until I get to go to church on this Saturday or this Sunday or on this Wednesday or this Thursday. I can't wait to get to church because I love being at Word of Grace. You see, we are redefining our culture's perception of what church is and showing them what it can be. We are redefining ingrained stereotypes that would limit someone's perception of church, thus really limiting their perception of God and limiting our perception of God's relatability. You see, if church seems stuffy, regimented, and judgmental, we think that's how God is, and we find that unrelatable. We don't want to connect with a God like that. We deal with enough of that in our day-to-day lives of people treating us badly or people always judging us and knocking us down. And if God's that way, then I don't really want to relate and connect with a God like, like that. You see, the thing is, is that we, we think that's how God is. So we never have a true connection with him outside of that religion. Because if God seems unrelatable, then we have a difficult time including him in our day-to-day lives. Because he seems disconnected from everything we do except church. He seems disconnected from everything that we do except for church. And so we compartmentalize our lives. We compartmentalize church with God. And we're never able to make that jump where we actually understand that God is the center of everything in our lives, not just on the weekends. Because we're just trying to earn something from God or we're trying to get Him to like us. You see, Word of Grace is called to change the paradigm or the mentality of the way we relate to God by presenting Him in a relevant way, a way that extends beyond a service, a way that extends beyond a weekend or a Thursday night or a Wednesday night. You see, when we feel that connection of loving God and we feel like we have a genuine connection with Him, then our hearts begin to be influenced by His heart in a greater way. And the heart of God is for people. That heart for people moves us to serve and to give because we authentically understand. And it is a greater reality of what God has done and how big His love is for us. That's why we do the things we do. That's why we do the things that we do. That's why we're different. That's why you may come into a word of grace and you may see things that you may have not seen before. You may experience things in a new way that you've never experienced in before. That's why we do things the way we do. That's why we do the music the way we do because the music is connecting us to God. That's why we do the artwork, the stage designs. That's why we pump music out in the hall, not just because it's fun and because it's cool. No, we have a purpose behind why we do everything that we do here. And it's not just to try to be a cool church. That's not the goal. Now, you may like it, and you may go, oh, that's cool, but that's not the purpose for you to go, oh, that's cool. The purpose is to connect with you and to show you that God can be relatable with your day-to-day life. You see, the artwork helps us connect to God. The stage sets, the lighting, it all displays how awesome we think God is, how big His love for us is, and how real it is, how those things grip us and move us emotionally, how they feed our soul and uplift our heart. That's why we intentionally do the things we do to connect. They're all different connection points. Some things may connect with you and resonate with you. Some things may not. That's okay. It doesn't matter as long as you connect. Are you hearing me? You may go, oh, well, I don't like that music or I don't like that song. That's okay. We're not mad at you. We still want you to come. You can still enjoy it because there may be somewhere else that you connect. The point is is that you connect. 
The point is that, you, is that you connect with God in a way where you understand he's real and he cares about you and he is concerned about you right where you're at, not just so you can come in and do your duty and then leave and punch out and you've had your God time, but that he cares about your day-to-day life and he wants to connect with you. That's why we want to connect with you here at Word of Grace. That's why we do what we do. You see, church is not just a school of the Bible and a place where you learn how to act nice. It's a place of deep connection with God where we feed off of each other, where we have a shared but yet individual experience of how big and real and relatable God is. Because when the reality of God hits me, it makes me feel so connected to him that it nourishes my innermost desires because I live in a world that is against God. Everything in this world is against God. I am immersed in a world and a culture that's anti-Christ. And when I come to church, when I'm connected to a church that helps me grow in my feeling connected to God, I am strengthened and encouraged that the same God that is real to me on the weekend can be real to me in a world that would try to make me feel like he isn't. The stronger I grow in that understanding, the stronger I become when I face things that are outside of the safety of my local church environment. You see, it starts with me realizing God is real, that that he's relatable, and he desires a genuine connection with me where he's involved in every aspect of my life because he wants a genuine connection with me. He wants to be at the center. He wants to be at the core of my life because it's when God's at the core, it's when we realize that God is not a part of our lives, but that he is life. Because until I connect with God, I'm not really living. You see, we treat God like he's a checkoff on our to-do list or something that we schedule in our busy day timers or that we get a reminder on our phones to just recognize God. But no, he's not a part of life. He's not a seasoning to life. He is life. He's at the core, and everything revolves around him. That's why Word of Grace is called to do what we do, and that is what we do. That's why we gather every weekend and throughout the week to connect people to loving God, because when you connect to God, when you connect to God, we're winning as a church because we're accomplishing our purpose. We're accomplishing what God has called us to do when you connect. So we're going to do whatever we can to connect you, to get you plugged in to the reality of God. When you tell others about what we're doing here and the word gets out, people begin to come because they have an internal need for that connection. That's that thing that draws us to gather together as there is an internal need for us to connect with God. We want to connect with God. We want to be sharpened, and that's why we sharpen one another and we encourage one another. We want to connect to God. See, if you aren't pursuing a genuine connection, and if we're not pursuing a genuine connection with God, then you want to know what? Then we are just a social club of people with good shared morals. And we become very inward focused and think that all of this is about us. That's what happens. If, if we're not pursuing a genuine connection with God, then we're just a social club with people with good shared morals that just do nice things for one another and hear nice sermons and we just punch in and punch out and we're good people. There's nothing wrong with being good people. But folks, that's not the purpose. The purpose is connecting with God in a real way. It's about connecting with God, loving God, helping people to see that he's real, that he's close, that he's relevant, that he's right now, that he's every day. You see, this is why we serve. This is why we give. This is why we reach out. This is the reason for everything you see here, and this is why we do it. We aren't doing it because we think it's cool or we just want to be modern because it makes us look important or cutting edge. We do all of this because we're pointing people to the reality of God. 
to helping them connect visually, emotionally, mentally with all the sights, words, sounds that we want to present God to a people and a culture that may feel like God is very distant, very angry, and very disappointed. We recognize that our culture that God has called us to here in Sheboygan County and the surrounding areas is steeped in foundational doctrine that would want to present God as someone that we have to impress or please by our religious works. And we get caught up in religious practices to try to earn God's love or earn His forgiveness. And we do it so much that we lose the heart for why we're even doing it in the first place. Or we get caught up thinking that God's distant or He's not hearing me because there's something in my life that I'm not doing right and I'm being punished for not having enough faith Or maybe I haven't been as religious as someone else. You see, when we present God in that light, He seems very distant and He seems very impossible to please. Your works will never please God as an offering of His love, favor, or mercy. Your works only please God when they come from your heart. And even when your works please God, they don't earn you a star by your name or extra credit with God because when Jesus said it was finished, He paid it all. Amen, somebody? That was it. That was the end. He had already done what he said he was going to do. There's no more paying for sin. There's no more atonement for sin. Jesus paid it all. Hebrews 11.6 says says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That basically means I need to trust him even when I don't see the answer or even when I may feel disconnected from God because faith is not a feeling. Amen? We cannot please God when we Chase a feeling because we aren't connected to him by a feeling. We're connected to him by faith. You see, we give of our time by serving in the church and outside of the church because we understand we're helping facilitate people connecting to God. We get to be a part of helping people come alive in their walk with God by showing them that what we do is valuable and important. And not only that we're just filling a slot or a role because no one else would do it, but because our hearts are here and because our hearts are in it and we understand why we do what we do. You can't truly do something from your heart until you understand why am I doing this. You see, that's why we give financially and support the work that happens at Word of Grace. Not because we feel obligated to pay our bill to God or He won't like us because that's not the reason. The reason we do it is because we believe in what we're doing. We understand that helping people to connect to loving God is essential. And we're willing to invest in that heart and doing what the Bible says. We're filling our storehouses so the church can grow and expand. There's a lot on the horizon, church. Let me tell you, there's a lot on the horizon that's going to be coming up quickly. And we need to believe in what Jesus has called us to do. And we need to believe that it's so important that it compels us and drives us to do things that are not normal. To help lead people to the grace and mercy of God and connect them in a real way. I want to reach out to our community and let them know that God's real, that His love is real. And let me show you how I've been impacted and that it causes me to do something that's not normal, to go out of my way and let you know that you have value to God and that you're important because it's His love and my connection to His love that compels me to love you and to reach out to you and to connect connect with you and serve you. It's His love for me and His heart for His people. See, we aren't just coming here to have services. We aren't coming here just to make friends and learn about the Bible. Although all those things are wonderful. We aren't coming here to learn how to enhance our lives or learn how to be better people. We're coming here and we gather here to connect to God in such a real way that it grips our hearts and it moves us to love God, love people, and serve the world. 
Because when God gets a hold of our hearts in a way like that, it mm. causes life change in us. It transforms us and it sets us free like we have never known. That's why we emphasize the things we do. That's why years ago we transformed a grocery store into a church. You're sitting in a grocery store. This was not built to be a church. It was built to be a grocery store. But through the grace of God, through the favor of God, through the hand of God, it is now a church. You guys are sitting on aisle five and six and seven. And there's been a lot of cleanups over here because little Johnny knocked over the eggs. But you're worshiping God now here. Why? Because the heart is to reach people. You see... We wanted to show people how big and how great our God is. That's why we renovated this place and did all the things we did. And we haven't seen anything yet because there is a fire that is in my heart as your pastor. And I believe it's going to grow and spread. And I can see it growing and spreading even now. I can see light bulbs going off in people's hearts and minds. Even as this message is being shared with you, something is clicking and beginning to make sense. And something is being stirred in you. Something is stirring. Then it's that purpose. That's what it is. Purpose is coming alive in you. That heart, that burning passion is coming alive in you. And you need to recognize that. And recognize that stirring. Because listen, we're not here to compete with other churches in our area to see who can offer the best amenities, who can outprogram who. That's not why we're here. I'm here because I want to connect people to purpose by leading them to connect to God in a real way. I'm talking a real way where you know God is real. Because when you put your faith in Jesus, you're connected to God. And you cannot get any more connected to God than that. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ. So when we grow in our connection, it's not that we're growing in connection with God truly because we are already connected as much as we're ever going to be connected. The thing we grow in is our awareness of how real and connected we are. We overcome these mental roadblocks. That's why we do what we do to help people grow in their awareness and their concepts of how big God is in our lives, how real and present He is by helping them understand His Word. Everything we do must point to showing people the way and helping them grow in how real God is to them. How big God is. How faithful God is. How He can be trusted and how He is a now God who is relatable. He's not a thousands of years distant, disconnected God. He's a now God that is interested in every detail of your life and wants to connect with you. He can be trusted. We are the focus of God's love. We are the focus of His love. It's the love of God that awakens our hearts to discover that we have a purpose. It is our mission at Word of Grace to connect people to loving God, loving one another, loving other people, and serving the world. It's the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart that causes me to love and have compassion on people. And that love for people causes me to get uncomfortable and do something that's not normal and serve and give. Since the beginning of this year, we have been averaging in weekend attendance 550 people. Our largest weekend services this year have been 742, 703, and 631. That is compared to this time last year, we were averaging 370 a weekend. Now, we also have people that are coming to our services during the week on Wednesday and Thursday nights. So I want you to think about this. So on an average week, Word of Grace is ministering to between 650 and 700 people. That's 700 lives that are being shown every week 
how to connect to God and grow in His Word every single week. Not to mention the countless lives that are being impacted through the week in our everyday lives as a result of us being connected to God in our day-to-day goings, in our work, at our job, our friends, our family that are being impacted because of what God is doing in us, because of the connection we see, connection we feel. You see, we have an assignment. We have a purpose, and we're fulfilling that purpose. And we want to continue to grow and connect to as many people as we can to loving God. Because life here is an assignment. It's temporary. And our ultimate goal is to show the glory of God and to show how big He is. That's the goal. Because God is glorified in us when we are most satisfied with Him. God and how big He is. (laughs) The best use of life is love. The greatest gift of love is our time. A tree doesn't grow to become an end to itself, but it grows to be able to give out. It's developing fruit not for itself, but for others. God, make us that tree that's planted by waters of life that helps us to grow so we can give out to others in a way that would make an impact of showing forth the reality, the love, the connection to a God who cares about us right where we are. It's the love of Jesus. It's John 3.16. shows us the heart of God, the desired more than anything to be connected to His creation in such a real, genuine, relatable, authentic way. Jesus paid it all. He paid it all for restoring relationship with God. It's His love that paid a debt we couldn't pay. It's the reality of God that gives me purpose to help people connect to loving God. Jesus paid everything. Amen? He paid it all. The Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Found in Thee, Thine all in all. Jesus paid it all, and all to Him I sin had left a crimson stain he washed it white as snow Yeah. 
when you begin reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, those are the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, is that people that were very much unlike Jesus liked Jesus. And the, the more shocking thing is that Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. And the reason that's a surprise to me oftentimes is because as, as a church person, a person who grew up going to church, um, th- there's oftentimes a message we get from the church accidentally that the church is for church people and, and the church is for people that are all kind of connected to Jesus and God and come some sort of super spiritual way. And if you're not like a church person, a religious person, then possibly the church really doesn't have anything for you. But when you read, when you read the story of Jesus, it's a completely, you get a completely different picture that people who are nothing like Jesus like Jesus, and Jesus liked the people that were nothing like him. Now, now, it's a surprise if you've never read the Gospels because, again, maybe your experience in church, but it shouldn't be a surprise because as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the stories of the Gospels of Jesus, you discover that that's one of the reasons Jesus came. He came to explain God in such a way that people would feel like they could have a personal connection with him. He came to reinterpret and to pr- create and present a very new, different paradigm of what it means to connect with God. And he showed up in a very traditional system, very religious system, a system that was just system after system after system that people that forced people and caused people to feel very far away from God. And one of the things Jesus came to do was to, and these are his words, he came to explain God or explain the Father. Why? Because he wanted people to know that as a result of what he was about to do, you and I would have an opportunity to have a personal connection with God Not through a person, not through a religious system, not through a church, but a personal connection with him. And that was brand new, radically different news for his generation. And so he was constantly creating word pictures to explain this. One of the things he talked a lot about, he said, relating to God is like a child relating to a father. Not a reflection of your earthly father, but a perfect heavenly father. He, he, he would say, whenever you think about you know, approaching God, whether it's through prayer or your daily activities, always remember... Everything you hear me say, he would say, it's all within the context of father, child, father, child, father, son, father, daughter. Always think about God as a father. Why? Because this is very, very, very relational. It's intensely relational. 
He said, it's not only about relationships that way. He said, think of it like this. Think of it like a vine and a branch. That, that think of me, he would say, as a vine and think of yourself as a branch. That there's a connection. There's a living connection. There is a transfer of life from one to another. Again, a very different way of thinking about God and thinking about a relationship with God. And then he said, here's another one. Think of me, he would say, as a shepherd and think of yourself as a sheep. In other places in scripture, think of God as a perfect good shepherd. Think of yourself as a sheep. Again, in that culture, an extremely relational context. A context and an illustration that spoke of protection, of care, of provision. And again, maybe for you and certainly for the people in his culture, that was different because God was far away. God was a concept. God was cosmic from a Greek background. God was, you know, sort of a dualistic, you know, they're multifaceted God and you never knew if he was happy or she was happy or it was happy. From a Roman context, God couldn't even get along with himself, much less human beings. From a Jewish context, you had to be holier than you could ever, ever be and more righteous than you could ever, ever be to ever be on God's good side. And yeah, God may love you because God's supposed to love everybody, but he probably wouldn't like you because after all, you're nothing like him. And then Jesus showed up to say, no, I've come to explain. Those are his words. I've come to explain the father. And the father has an intense desire to connect, not with a group, not with a church, not with a nation. I have come to connect individually with you like a father and a son, like a vine and a branch, like a shepherd and a sheep. Well, that's different. That's a different paradigm. That's a different way of thinking. The other, the other word he used is the one we're going to look at today. The other picture he explained is one that's intensely relational. It's, it's very, very intimate. In fact, these were the terms that he used with his initial followers. This is kind of how he, kind of how he got the ball rolling. This was his first invitation to his first followers. And as you read the Gospels, you begin to discover this is an invitation that is extended to every single one of you and every single person who's ever lived through all the generations of time. This is the most intimate. This is the beginning. And today, if you're here and you've been in church all your life, if you've been in church for the last 45 minutes of your life, and that's it, this is an invitation that's extended to you. The name of this series is simple because as we're about to see, Learning to connect with your heavenly father through Jesus the son is very, very simple. And if it's not simple for you, it's probably because somebody like me in a position like this in a church made it complicated. But Jesus came to make it simple because Jesus came to connect with the individuals. If you brought your Bible, I would love for you to follow along in this story. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put these up here on the screen. Uh, Matthew chapter 9. This is actually a story about Matthew written by Matthew in the book called Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. It's all about Matthew today. Matthew 9, verse 9. We're going to discover something about this guy who's so famous, who wrote one of the most famous books ever written, the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. This is the story of how Jesus meets Matthew, and this is his first interaction. Now, this is, let me, let me tell you why this is so important. Listen up. Again, if you're here today and you would consider yourself like really a bad person, most people think they're good, but you may really know you're not good. You think you're bad. You really need to listen up because Matthew was a bad person. Matthew knew he was a bad person. If you're a person that would consider yourself disconnected from God and because of baggage, the past, a lack of belief, whatever you're thinking, I will never, ever connect with God. You need to listen because that's who Matthew was. If you're a person who thinks if the only way to connect with God is through the ritual of the church and the routine of the church and a system of do's and don'ts and thou shalt and thou shalt not, you need to listen because Matthew had totally abandoned and given up 
on that system. And yet Jesus approaches him and extends one of the most intimate, persuasive invitations anybody can ever have. And it's an invitation that's extended to every single one of us. Listen to these words. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. And I have to pause there and tell you about the tax collector's booth because that's what makes this story so intriguing. In Rome, they sold the right to collect taxes in the different provinces that had been conquered by the Roman Empire. So you as a Roman citizen could go to Rome and you could buy the opportunity or the privilege to tax people in Jerusalem or Palestine or in Israel. And so somebody had bought this privilege, and what you would do is you would go to this province, you would hire other people from the region to work for you, and you would basically set up a multi-level marketing pyramid system in order to collect taxes from a particular region. So somebody bought the opportunity to tax Israel, and then you would add a surcharge to the taxes, make as much money as you want, but you would hire the locals to work for you. Matthew was one of those people. There were over a dozen taxes. They taxed bridges, ports, income, property, wine, fruit, bread, just about anything you can imagine. The Romans taxed, and the Roman citizens who had the opportunity and the privilege to tax Palestine would hire Jews to do it. Consequently, if you were a Jewish person who went to work work for a Roman tax collector, you were despised of all the despised people. You were a traitor. You were a constant reminder of the fact that Israel could not control its own destiny. Um, You were an outcast from the synagogue. You were ceremonially unclean. In fact, if you were a hired tax collector, you had a category all of your own. And as we're going to see in this story, they would refer to the bottom of the barrel, the worst of the worst, the scum of society as sinners and tax collectors. Tax collectors were so bad, you didn't even get lumped in with sinners. You had your own classification. There were sinners and there were tax collectors. You could be a prostitute. You could, you know, beat your children. You could be a thief. You could be, you know, uh, you could be the worst of the worst. You got to be a sinner. But if you were a tax collector, you were, you were a tax collector. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. He was the, the only reason he was able to work is because he represented Rome. And oftentimes these Jewish tax collectors would sit at their table at a crossroads, a bridge, a port, wherever it might be, with Roman soldiers behind them to back them up to make sure they collected taxes for the empire. That's who Matthew was. He was the bad, the bad, the bad. He knew he was bad. His family knew he was bad. Everybody knew he was a traitor to his people. He was enriching himself through the power of Rome. And Jesus walks up to him, no doubt with his disciples behind him, murmuring about another Jewish tax collector. And here's what Jesus said, middle of verse 9. Follow me. <laughs> you know, Peter's in the back going, what would you say? I, I, just, I just invited Matthew to join us. John's going, oh, no, 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 no. He ain't joining us. Time out, Jesus. We need to have a conversation. Come here a second. Listen, listen. Okay, like I had like a legitimate fishing business, okay? Me and my brothers that we left to follow you, all right? Like we had a reputation. Like we had a respect. Our father, when our dad hears that we joined you and you're, and you, are you sure? Hey, Jesus, look, look, look. If you're going to talk to this guy, tell him what he's done wrong. Give him a list. 
you know, I'll talk to him. Do you need one of us to remind him of who he is and what he's done, what an embarrassment he is to his family, what a traitor he is to his nation? Do you know the kind of people that this sort hangs out with? Do you realize he's not an accidental sinner? He's an on-purpose sinner. He makes a living in sin. He has gone public with the fact that he's abandoned God, he's abandoned the law, he's abandoned the synagogue, and he could care less. Now, are you sure you want to invite him to follow you, because following you means he hangs with us. And that's a little bit of a problem. Jesus looks at Matthew. He says, here's what I'd like for you to do. You don't need a pen. You don't need to write this down. It's real simple. It won't require anything on your part. Matthew, would you follow me? I'm not asking you to change anything. I'm not asking you to stop doing anything. I'm not asking you to give up anything. I'm not asking you to recommit and dedicate this. I'm not asking you to leave anything. I'm just saying, Matthew, would you do the one thing I know you can do? Would you slide your chair back and stand up? And would you just follow me? Now listen, this is how it always begins. This is how it was intended to begin. This is the initial invitation that your heavenly father through Jesus extends to every single one of us as we're going to see every single day of our lives. And Jesus could have done a lot of, he could have said a lot of other things to Matthew and been exactly right. He could have said, Matthew, here's what you've done. Here's what you've done in the past. Here's why you're no good. Here's why you're not acceptable. Here's how many years you've missed making your sacrifice at the altar. I mean, he could have just dumped the whole load on Matthew and Jesus would have been exactly right. But Jesus didn't come to this earth to be exactly right. He came to this earth to be followed. Because in being followed, he would have an opportunity to explain the Father. And as he explained the Father, it would open the door for you and for me to connect to our Father in heaven. And he could have, again, he could have read Matthew, his own history. He could have buried him in guilt. And he said, Matthew, I just want you to take one simple step. Will you follow me? See, today, no matter what your church experience has been like, and no matter what you've thought about God and what you've done in the past, regardless of your baggage, your marriages, your kids, the last time you saw your parents, that last conversation you had with your ex-wife, you know, what you've done financially. Here's what we know from this simple interchange, simple exchange. There is every single day an invitation from a Savior who loves you to take one single baby step in His direction and just follow. I wanted to share that with you because I watched that about three days after writing all this. And I thought... That's exactly where we're at. It's exactly what he's calling us to do. I thought maybe I could rip all that off and just preach it to you guys. And I thought, no, I'll let Andy do it. Because Jesus is, he's come to this earth to connect man with God. And that's what the purpose of Word of Grace is. He's the head, we're the body. We're called to connect people to loving God, loving people serving the world that's what makes all the difference in the world is that connection that real genuine connection that's why we do what we do that's why you serve that's why you give that's why we pray 
why we have the ministries we have. That's why we have those, we're willing to have those conversations with you and why we're willing to take out time and show you we love you. That's why we change things around and do things a little different, things that aren't normal. Because we want you to understand how big God is and how real God is. We want you to connect with Him on that level. That's the heart of this church. That's the heart of your pastor. That's our heart moving forward. Just to grow in connecting people to loving God, loving people and serving the world. And if you can get on board with that, and if you can link arms and hearts with that, we're going to reach a lot of people for Jesus Christ. I said we're going to reach a lot of people for Jesus Christ. Because unity is a powerful thing, church. And I just wanted you to hear my heart tonight. So, with that being said, would you bow your head for just a moment? Maybe you came here in this place, heard Pastor Andy Stanley speak something that might have gripped your heart or something I might have shared, or maybe just something that the Holy Spirit just gripped you with that maybe nobody said. He said, it's time. Time to take that step. Time to make it right. Time to come home like that prodigal son that I opened up with, like that lost coin, like that lost sheep. I'm ready to find my security in the arms of the Father. That's you. I want you to let me know you're here by lifting your hand. I want you to hold it high where I can see it. Anybody here in this place? I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. I see your hands. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. He's asking you tonight, will you follow me? And all you have to do is say yes. All you have to do is say, I'm ready to trust. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because without faith, it's impossible to connect to God because it takes faith in the fact that Jesus Christ paid it all. And if you're willing to put your faith in Jesus Christ who paid it all, you're welcome in the arms of the Father and in the arms of God because He already paid for it. You don't have to pay for it. You can't pay for it. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn mercy. You can't earn love. You can't earn grace. It's given freely. It's a gift. It's not something that you can earn, but you can receive it. How? By faith. That's how you please the Father. So it would please God tonight, I believe, if from the bottom of your heart you made a faith confession out of your mouth and you believed it in the core of who you are, so church, would you say this with me and confess this with our heart, confess this with our mouth and believe it in our heart. Say, Jesus, I will follow you. Lead me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for wanting me. Thank you for connecting me to my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you look up here? If you received that.